This week on the Tech on Tap podcast, we talk innovation and security with Juan Mojica and Andy Grimes. Welcome to the Tech on Tap podcast with Justin Parisi, Glenn Sizemore, and Sully the Monster. I love NetApp. Oh, yeah. Hello and welcome to the Tech on Tap podcast. My name is Justin Parisi, and sitting next to me, what are you doing? Put your phone down, Andrew Sullivan. I'm not on my phone. I don't know what you're talking about. Are you playing, um, what's that gem game? What is that? Gem game? Yeah, what's that game with all the, the gems and the, do you remember? Do you, do you, I was responding to email, but. Oh, you were working? Yeah. No. It's this little four letter word we do occasionally. <laughs> There's a lot of four little words we do occasionally. <laughs> Working is one of them. I don't. I don't need to know that much. Yeah. All right. Um, Glenn is not here right now. He may join us later. But uh, today we're going to talk about some NetApp innovation goodness is coming up with OnTap 9.1. Uh, so we welcome Juan Mojica. Hey guys, did, how you doing? Did I say that right? Mojica is correct. All right. The J is. <sighs> it's hot. Yeah. Uh, so Juan, tell us a little bit about what you do here at NetApp. I'm a product manager within the ONTAP team. Among most responsibilities are encryption, scale-out networking, the kernel, and limits. So I got a pretty good range of stuff that I do here. Yes, that's quite a range there. Uh, very rangy of you. Um, so uh, also in the studio today is Andrew Grimes. You may have uh, had heard him on the podcast before, Andrew. For people who are not familiar with you, tell us what you do here at NetApp. I, well, I work with the principal architect for Flash on the Flash group, uh, helping everybody uh, understand how to use our Flash technologies and what we should be developing for uh, customers and for the field. I understand they call you Mr. Flash. Uh, I'm sometimes known as that, and I do have a T-shirt for uh, Flash in my cube. But, uh, yeah. But do you have a Flash costume? I don't have the full costume, but everybody tells me I speak too fast whenever I uh, do oh. a presentation. So yeah, I, I do I think that. that counts. Yeah, I do the same. Yeah. All right, so um, volume encryption. Uh, let's talk a little bit about that, but let's set it up first with a discussion about overall encryption and why it's becoming more and more important in a storage landscape. Uh, Juan, tell us a little bit about what we already have with encryption with our solutions with ONTAP 9. Sure. With ONTAP 9, we've supported self-encrypting drives as part of our NSC solution, which is NetApp Storage Encryption Solution. In ONTAP 9, we extended some of the capability of NetApp Storage Encryption to give you everything that you need in the box, basically, as part of your cluster to use these self-encrypting drives. Fundamentally, we added a onboard key manager as part of ONTAP 9. This key manager stores your keys for all the drives, um, the self-encrypting drives that we have in our system. So you plug in the drives, they're ready to go. You need to assign them an authentication key. The onboard key manager, after you set it up, automatically generates these keys. You assign the keys to the drives, and then you're running FIPS 140-2 level 2 validated drives in your system. So this onboard encryption, is it free? So, yeah, it's included, uh, integrated with ONTAP 9, no special license for the onboard key manager, and no extra cost. So why are people so concerned with encryption, especially at the drive level? 
Fundamentally, there's an increasing number of security events that have just basically gotten to the consciousness of just everybody. We have the Panama Papers, WikiLeaks, uh, Snowden, uh, and the email scandal uh, currently part of the news today. So all that stuff <laughs> permeates kind of a culture, and everybody's worried about their secure the security of their data. I believe fundamentally that the future of all enterprise data is secure and encrypted. And so as people are developing strategies to actually get to where they need to be with their data, they're looking at all the possible solutions out there. Uh, disk encryption in particular is uh, great in, the, in protecting your data if somebody were to take the drive out of your system and walk away with it and try to plug it into another system. So you're guaranteed that if somebody were to steal a drive in particular, you wouldn't have any of your confidential, any of your proprietary data, any sensitive information stolen. Security, I mean, that is the typical most risky case that everybody worries about. But there's other common events, more common events, like you repurpose a drive and stick it into another uh, controller. When you hand that over to the other person to use on their other controller, do they should they have access to the data that was in that drive before? Or if for some reason there's something wrong with the drive and you have to RMA it, uh, are you guaranteed that the fault really was with the drive or not some component leading up to the drive? And potentially, have you just returned a drive that has some very sensitive data, some, some of your sensitive data or some of your customers' sensitive data back to somewhere where then next thing you know, the drive ends up on eBay? And uh, uh, all H-E double hockey sticks breaks loose. You can say hell. Okay. Hell is fine. Hell. All right. Well, one of the, one of the interesting <laughs> scenarios that I've uh, encountered before is, you know, SSDs have an assigned range of blocks that act as replacements for failed cells, right? I say blocks, I mean cells. And, you know, it pre-fails those cells oftentimes before they are actually unreadable. So... You know, unencrypted information may still be in those cells, even if you go through and do a, a you know, a, a rezero or you know, overwrite all of the existing drive space because they're not technically addressable, but still technically there. If somebody were to physically have that drive, yeah, exactly. Where leveling with SSDs is really causing issues with the encryption community in general. I mean, those kind of problems are key of why you want to start off with your data encrypted, if at all possible. Uh, from the start. So that actually allows us to go into a nice segue of the new feature in ONTAP 9.1, which could help with that problem, I would imagine, right? Yes. So uh, it's called uh, NetApp, was it NetApp Volume Encryption? Correct, correct. Yeah, so it's NVE, and it's new in ONTAP 9.1. So Juan, tell us about that. So NVE is a software-based encryption uh, mechanism for encrypting your data at rest. Fundamentally, it relies on a couple of components. First, you have a software encryption module that's part of ONTAP. Uh, you have a key manager, in this case, the onboard key manager that we just talked about, as well as platforms that are actually able to leverage NVE. So we have a set of platforms with a required offload, the Intel AES and I offload, which is really just an instruction set that's available in Intel CPUs that we're leveraging to get performance benefits for encryption. It is software-based, so you you know the more CPU cycles you're taking, we're trying to offload as much as possible as we can. So we've leveraged uh, those platforms that are able to take care of that offload. 
And lastly, you're talking about encrypting your data volumes. Really, any volume that be that any data that's part of that volume will be encrypted. So you're talking about your snapshots are encrypted. You're talking about your clones are encrypted, all within uh, that data volume. And we have one of the best points of this feature is really a unique protection for every data volume. So you get a unique encryption key generated automatically and then stored automatically in the onboard key manager for every encrypted volume. Why is this, you know, what's a big deal, right? You are guaranteed that if for some reason, some magical way, somebody's able to compromise one volume of data, that doesn't automatically mean that every other volume is compromised in your system. That's slightly different than NSC, where potentially you have a compromise of one of the NSC keys and then all your drives might be affected, versus in this case, a compromise of one volume does not lead to a compromise of any other volume. Can I use that in conjunction with the onboard key manager, or is it something separate? So you use that, you have to use the onboard key manager in particular. And so the keys are automatically stored. One of the prereqs to starting to use NBE is configuring the onboard key manager and obviously installing a license for NBE. But then from there on out, that process is uh, seamless and transparent to you. The keys are automatically populated and uh, stored in the onboard key manager. Well, I guess my question is, can I use disk encryption in addition to volume encryption? Oh, yeah. Actually... You can. So you can double up on your encryption. You can have double or layered encryption, multiple encryptions. And this is something that I'm particularly very, very excited about. You're talking about two distinct encryption mechanisms for your data. First, on tap with NetApp volume encryption, we'll encrypt your data and software. Then we'll had, hand over that encrypted data to the NSC drives, these self-encrypting drives. They have their own mechanism by which they will encrypt. And so they will re-encrypt the data and then stick it uh, on the drive. So the NSC solution is great. Uh, it has uh, basically, it's an architected hardware solution. So you have very minimal to no performance impact in using those drives. And so you have the software-based NBE and you have these two distinct encryption mechanisms, which if you're looking at it from a security standpoint, from a technical standpoint, it's almost the same thing as like a fly-by-wire airplane. You have two different algorithms, uh, the same function, but implemented by two people, two different groups, so that if one fails, the other one still works. And in the security community, you have some similar idea of two distinct encryption algorithms that actually provide a better level of security if you're just re-encrypting it with the same algorithm. So does that have any effect on storage efficiency or other features? No, actually, that's one of the reasons you want to do encryption in the storage array in general, in particular with clustered ONTAP or ONTAP in general, is that we're able to apply our storage efficiencies before encryption. So basically all the goodness, all the savings that you get from our storage efficiency features are applied before the data is encrypted. The storage efficiency features really rely on these common patterns in your data, right? And so encryption is fundamentally orthogonal to that. Encryption is supposed to obfuscate any sort of data pattern. And so we have the ability of first applying the storage efficiencies and then encrypting the data and making sure that once it hits that disk, it's good to go. It's encrypted and protected. Plus, you've just leveraged your storage efficiency features. So... With encryption, and this, there was actually an interesting thread on one of our DLs. We talked about ransomware, right? So ransomware is the ability for someone to come into your system and lock your data up and not allow you to have access to it until you pay them money or whatever. Does encryption protect you from that? The answer is no. No. 
I was trying to think if there was any sort of scenario. I get, that's got to be the strangest question I've gotten so far as far as encryption, whether or not encryption can solve it. Uh, and Well, I, I asked this <laughs> because it was a very specific uh, – it was a DL. I don't know if you saw it. Did you see the you – know? Yeah, kind of. I kind so of basically a, someone uh, out there is claiming that encryption can solve ransomware problems. So the key thing about ransomware in general, and we've actually had a number of big customers who've had issues with it, we elected to not get into that space because we partner with a number of vendors, Veronis, StealthBits, et cetera, that all handle this authentication, which is accessing the system. Um, doing that outer fence protection and security is important because it prevents unauthorized users from either accessing the data in order to copy it off or in order to... Um, prevent users from doing things to the data, either a malicious delete or a malicious encryption. The problems with ransomware is typically a virus will come in and a traditional virus will come in, do something malicious. At most, it might delete data, but normally what it's doing is it's infecting the system and the antivirus applications can detect that infection process. It's usually executing a file and then viewing code that does something very, very specific. Uh, what you find with ransomware is, is, in fact, it's a very, very simple file that doesn't infect other files or other systems. What it typically all it does is, is you, you spearfish with it. You email it to a specific person. They execute a file that does something that's entirely within permissions of that user. It encrypts data or it deletes data. And both of those functions are extremely difficult to protect against. So because it's you know, spearfishing an individual and they're executing the commands against the data, um, they already have permissions. So something like an RSA is not going to prevent a user who's authorized to access the data from running a ransomware. Um, what we've seen in our environments is um, our storage arrays, you know, first off, we protect the data from physical access by using encryption. If a drive is, is removed from the system, we now have two-factor encryption to deal with that. The other piece that's actually pretty cool is um, we do regular backups. And if an, a host application starts to encrypt the data or starts to delete the data, if we're doing hourly snapshots that are built into the technology, we can protect against that. So we'll typically have multiple recover points. And then on top of that, if we do need to restore because an environment has profound corruption or, or profound encryption or data deletions, we can do an instant, instantaneous restore of an almost any size environment. So that's where we've seen is, is you know, we have multi-factor protections against it, but ultimately the, the insidiousness of ransomware is it tricks the user into doing what they have permissions to do. So almost anybody who's saying, yeah, we'll prevent them from doing this, all you're really doing is at the email thread level where their people are emailing them the spear phishing file, you're detecting it and deleting it from the email. So, ba so basically uh, it, it'd be like if I hid my key under a rock outside my house – and then somebody found the key under the rock. That's that's ransomware. <laughs> uh, pr pretty pretty much. You're 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 doing. You're infecting yourself with it, and you're yes. you're performing the action. And we have many 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 customers who have recovered from ransomware with you know or mass deletions without any problem whatsoever. Um, we don't even think about it because it's just naturally built into our storage array, and we do it all the time. Yeah, and competitors' technology—they can't protect their data this way. Yeah. And, and essentially, I was just throwing a softball there, so you guys could tout the excellence of snapshots yep. in NetApp. The, generally, the the overall consensus is that encryption is not the be-all end-all of security. Correct. You have you're really talking about mitigating a set of risks, and the risks that I highlighted at the beginning of the you know podcast are really it: your theft, 
repurposing or RMA. You're really protecting yourself against your data being leaked in those cases. Right. And security is not just one thing. It's it's many things. It's authentication. It's logging in. It's encryption. It's, you know, protecting things in flight and at rest. I yeah. mean, there's a lot of different layers to that. Non-repudiation. Like, I could say, you guys, why aren't you wearing any pants right now? This you is, could say that, uh, and you'd be right. <laughs> For at least one of us. <laughs> That's how I feel most comfortable podcasting. <laughs> exactly. Kilt is a legitimate work uniform. It is. It is. It's very uh, liberating. So uh, with the volume level encryption, right, this is something that is not dependent on the drive type. It can be all flash. It can be hybrid. It can be SATA, right? We're not impacting or waiting on drive firmwares or drive types to come out. Exactly. You're not waiting on any particular drive. One of the limitations of the NSC system really is that you have to wait till these manufacturers come up with a FIPS validated drive, and that's what we incorporate with the NSC solution. With NVE, you're able to use any drive that's available for your ONTAP cluster, as long as a controller supports NVE, you're good to go. Any drive size, whether it be SSDs or traditional spinning media, you can use whatever you want and mix and match within your cluster as the rules allow. So not that I can come up with a use case off of the top of my head, but is encryption something that you can enable and disable on the fly, right? Could I take an existing volume and turn encryption on for it and likewise turn off encryption for a volume? Yeah, you can. And that's, you know, one of the main use cases for our customers who have equipment that's out there already with their existing data. We recognize the fact that, hey, you want to get to the point where you can be encrypted and what's the easiest way we can get you there. And that's really through a non-disruptive vol move. So you're able to take a volume, do a vol move, and specify that you want the destination volume to be encrypted. And as part of that process, like we, I mentioned with the creation of an encrypted volume, you get a key automatically created for you at that point in time, and that key is automatically stored with the uh, in the onboard key manager. So, boom, vol move. Now your uh, destination volume is encrypted. All your all that data in that volume is encrypted. If for some reason you decide that um, you don't want that volume encrypted anymore uh, and you want to transition off of uh, NVE for that particular volume, same procedure applies. Non-disruptive vol move, you take that volume, specify that you want the destination unencrypted, and you're, you're good to go. One of the things I don't think I mentioned previously is that you can choose which volumes are encrypted and which aren't unencrypted. By default, we haven't affected that behavior. You're going to get by default an unencrypted volume. So if you want to encrypt a volume, you have to specify that you want it encrypted. And do snap mirror, snap vault destinations have to match that policy? Or can I have one be the source be encrypted and the destination be unencrypted or the inverse? So the encryption portion is transparent to those applications. They don't know that the underlying volume is encrypted. So you can have uh, mix and match depending on how you wish to uh, deploy the encryption in your primary or your backup site. So that's up to you. Gotcha. And the use case I had in mind there was, you know, I've... I have tons of CPU, you know, in order to devote to, you know, encrypting everything on, you know, maybe my secondary, you know, my, my snap vault destination, but not necessarily on the primary system that's doing a lot of other work. So it, it could be, I can see use cases where people would want to have just that, just that extra level of protection on that long-term destination. Yeah, agreed, agreed. And so, yeah, you're able to do that with net volume encryption. When you delete a volume, um, does it delete the key? 
for that volume. So it will after the retention period. So it's this not an instantaneous delete. We have a common retention period that's part of our normal volume process. I believe by default something like 24 hours or 12 hours. Yes, the volume recovery queue. Yes. And you can actually get by that by doing a dash force on your deletions if you wanted to. Exactly. So you would have to do a dash force. At that point in time, the key is deleted when the volume is deleted. So I think that's the answer for the um, data spill. If you deleted a volume with a dash force, it could purge the volume and the key from the system. And because any of the original blocks that would have been encrypted, that makes the data inaccessible, even if you had a fragment of the data left in the uh, over-provisioning space. You're not guaranteed with the wear leveling with the SSDs that you're going to be... Would the key be gone, though? Yeah, exactly. Okay. So I think that's, that's still an interesting case that when you – you may want to point that out, that when you delete the volume, the key is also removed. So the data in the volume becomes inaccessible. I'm get, is there a way to see, like, the list of keys? Like, not, not like the actual key themselves, but, like, is there a command where I can say, you know, list my volume keys or – There's a command to show you which volumes are encrypted. Right now, we're not exposing which keys are – that's all handled internally and automatically by the onboard key manager. And we're trying to make that as simple as possible. You don't need to know which keys are managed uh, which way by the onboard key I would manager. imagine that's more secure that way anyway. Right. Exactly. The other thing that we see come up a lot is for service providers. This has actually come up as a requirement many, many times is they want um, multiple customers with secure multi-tenancy and the ability to have encryption containers with individual keys for each customer. Um, PCI compliance likes it. HIPAA likes it. Um, and it's kind of been a holy grail in the service provider space. Um, so we've seen that come up quite a bit. All right. So what about ONTAP Select and other products like ONTAP Cloud? Do we support NVE with those? We support NVE with ONTAP Select as well as Metro Cluster and our Flex Array solution. So if you're using it that way, uh, you're good to go. Uh, NVE does, like I mentioned before, use that Intel AES and I offload. So part of the requirements is that you got to make sure that the CPU has that offload in it. And there's a family of Intel CPUs that have that offload in it. But you should be good to go. Really just get the license and uh, start encrypting your data. All right, so um, Juan, did you have anything else you wanted to add about the NetApp volume encryption portion of this? I'm really excited about it, uh, and we have a- You sound it. <laughs> We're also, you know, we have an early validation program, and we have customers going through it, and everything's gone great. So I'm really excited to see this really take off and be the future of all our ONTAP solutions. Really, it's fundamentally, it's going to be our unified way of doing encryption across all our ONTAP platforms. And I believe we have a rich roadmap going forward to have, you know, fill in any gaps that we don't currently have uh, functionality today. you have any uh, insight sessions on it? Yeah, I have uh, one insight session that I'm giving twice. Uh, so I'm both Las Vegas and in Berlin, I believe. Do you know the session number uh, by heart yet? No, I do not. And I hope I never do. I like to ask that of everybody on, this, on the show because I know nobody knows. So we'll, we'll add it to the blog. Juan. Andy, thanks so much for joining us today. If people wanted to get in touch with you about anything, uh, how could they reach you either on social media or email? Uh, we'll start with Juan. All right. Um, on social media, I have a Twitter account. It's Juan, J-U-A-N underscore M underscore Mojica, which is M-O-J-I-C-A. Wait a minute. Was there another Juan underscore Mojica? 
out it, there? Uh, yes, there's plenty of other Juan Mojicas out there. Uh, I didn't know that there was a, a Juan underscore Mojica. I didn't realize you had to put your middle initial in there to differentiate yourself as much. A lot of Twitter handles are already gone. This was the most clear and professional one I could find. Oh, okay. I don't do professional, so I don't understand. <laughs> what is professional you talk about? <laughs> Andy, how do we get in touch with you? Sure, I'm on Twitter as Andy underscore NTAP underscore Flash. Uh, uh, I'm also, you know, direct email, andrew.grimes at netapp.com. Andy uses Twitter so much that he had to pull out his phone to figure out what his Twitter handle was. Yeah, I'm I'm not on Twitter as much as I need to be. Andrew's That's okay. A, a brave man giving out his email address. Yeah, well, you could... <laughs> Wow, your email address is your name dot your last name <laughs> at NetApp. Crazy. Who else's is like that? I escaped that. Did you? I did. Oh, <laughs> lucky. All right, that music tells me it's time to go. If you'd like to get in touch with us, send us an email to podcast at netapp.com or send us a tweet at NetApp. As always, if you'd like to subscribe, find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher or via techontappodcast.com. If you like the show today, leave us a review on behalf of the entire Tech on Tap podcast team and Juan Mojica and Andy Grimes. Thanks for listening. And the missing Glenn Sizemore. And where is that Glenn? Glenn! Oh, yeah. There he is. <laughs> oh, Glenn. Putting work before podcast. Good man. Good man, that Glenn. I don't have anything else to say about him. Is it just me that's getting off on this? Oh, yeah. <laughs>